Hey, you can turn with me this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And we're going to be right there, book of Romans, chapter 12, the whole morning. Um, in fact, if you have your Version Bible app and you hit the live event button, all of the scripture and the notes from today's message will be right there for you. We want to make it convenient for you. And as always, you can save that live event and go back to it during this week, during your devotion, so you can think back through and meditate on these verses of scripture and let God continue to speak to you. We We've been in a series the last couple of weeks called I Need a Win. I Need a Win. And if you're a sports person, that really speaks to you because you may, you may have a team that you really, you, you need a win. I had somebody get on me this past week. They wanted to know why we always talk about ACC football around here and we never mention the real teams in the SEC, okay? And so we got a couple of people. So, so for you fans that are outside of the ACC, um, way to go Alabama, right? We got a big got a big win yesterday because Auburn lost. Is that not how that works? That's funny. You, you know that you're a big fan when you care more about the team losing that you don't like than the team winning that you do pull for. Like, you know you're a big fan then. So for all my Alabama fans, that's your SEC plug right there. So that's the last one you'll get. But um, <laughs> NC State still undefeated? That's super cool, right? That's pretty neat, uh, at least for another week because we play Clemson this next week. See, I know what it's like to need a win because I am an NC State fan. I, I, I want you to realize we call ourselves the cardiac pack for a reason, right? Because at any time, you can lose a game. I, I remember being at a Virginia Tech game years ago. It was the fourth quarter. We were ahead by 17, all right, and still lost the game. How do you lose a game when you're ahead by 17 in the fourth quarter? But if you're an NC State fan, you understand how that can happen at any given time. And so this idea of I need a win is not really about sports, but I think we can all say at some level in our lives, that we would be able to say, you know what, I need a win. Like I, I may be winning in one area of my life, but, but, but I feel like I'm losing in this part of my life. Maybe I'm winning in the relationship department, but I feel like I'm losing in the finance department. And, and, and maybe I feel like I'm, I'm winning in, in, in my spiritual life. Man, I just really feel like I'm losing physically. For some of us, it's been a long time since we've experienced a win. But here's what we've been talking about. We've understood that to live out God's promises in his word, we have to follow God's pattern. We got to follow God's pattern. And we looked at two verses of scripture last week in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 3. And this is what the apostle Paul writes. He says, because of the privilege and authority that God's given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Instead, be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves, not by other people, but by the faith God has given to us. And just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with, the, with Christ's body, or the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, got some teachers in the house, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, 
then be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, then do it do it gladly. Let's just look at that verse, verse by verse. Uh, this first part says, hey, I, I've given you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. See, some of us, we think way too much of ourselves, right? There's some of us, we think way too little of ourselves. Like we, we look in the mirror. It's funny how people look in the mirror and see themselves in a completely different way than the way other people would look at themselves. That's fascinating to me. And, and some of us think way too little of ourselves. You lack confidence and you lack self-esteem. You don't believe in yourself and you don't understand how anybody else could believe in you. But on the flip side, there's some of us, man, we have a pretty inflated ego and we overestimate ourselves. We don't need anybody to tell us how good we are because we remind ourselves daily how great we are, right? This, this world is blessed that I am able to be here today. You know, they kind of walk into the room that way. And so God's word says, no, don't, don't think of yourself better than you are. You be honest, honest in the evaluation of yourself. And, and so the lesson there in that verse of scripture is just be honest with yourself. Don't think of yourself too highly than, than you should. In other words, you aren't that great, okay? But, but here's the other side of that. You aren't that bad either. The fact that Jesus gave his life on a cross for your sins and demonstrated how much he loves you shows you how much value that there is in your life. So when the world looks at you and says you're nothing, when you look in the mirror and try to tell yourself that you're a loser, Jesus says you are an overcomer because he has overcome the world and greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So he says, don't like overinflate your ego, but instead measure yourself by the faith that God has given to us. And in other words, the only way to accurately understand who we are is to understand ourselves by who God is and what he's done for us, not who we are and what we've accomplished. And we said already today that worship is our response to who God is and what he's done in our lives. And so I don't measure myself by something I've accomplished or measure my worth because of something that I've accomplished. Instead, I want to see what does God's word say about who I am, who I am. I was in the drive through line at Chick-fil-A the other day because that's where Christians eat. And, and uh, I mean, you don't even have to pray over your food. It's blessed for you. And, and I, I love Chick-fil-A. We did our taxes last year, and we kind of go through keeping our receipts. I ate at Chick-fil-A last year more than any other restaurant than I did anywhere else. A, a few days ago, my daughter looked at me, and she looked at me. She's in college. She was on the phone, and she said, Dad, I, I, I saw on Instagram today that you went to Chick-fil-A three different times today. That's winning, right? Every meal at Chick-fil-A. But something happened in the double drive through line in the greatest Chick-fil-A in all the world at Wake Forest. They got the one, man. That one's legit, right? And so I, I'm in the drive through line. It's the double drive through line. And, and I don't really like the double drive through line. I like it for convenience sake, but you never know when to go, right? There needs to be somebody there like waving you by. And somehow I got stuck in one spot. And maybe I'm Mr. Nice Guy. I got my North Park sticker. I don't want anybody to feel, you know, like I, I cut them off. And so I just kept letting them go, kept letting them go. Before long, I was five behind. Like, and everybody behind me is like, dude, what are you doing? You got to go. And, and so then I just felt stuck. And I thought, man, this is strange. I, I, I feel 
I feel stuck. And so all of a sudden, I see some guy walking and bypassing all of these cars. He walks all the way back to where I am with a bag and my large diet Dr. Pepper, and he hands it to me. And I'm like, y'all, this is VIP status right here. Like, he just bypassed one, two, three, four, five, six, gave me my meal, and then helped me scoot out of line so I could just go on about my way. And so I, I, I kind of put that on, on, on Instagram and, and, and Twitter and MySpace and all those things. I actually do have a MySpace page. And uh, I can't figure out how to delete it. And, and, and I tagged Chick-fil-A in the post, and, and they responded back. It was, it was pretty cool. But, but one, of, one, of, one of the things that I put, I just, I just put, like, hashtag MVP status, right? And, and a pastor friend of mine, you know how that kind of comment underneath that? His comment was this. He said, they know who you are. And then his wife commented right after that, and I love this part. She put dot, 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 and whose you are. And that got me a second. Like we have to know, according to God's word, who we are. And, and not because of something we've done, but because of what God's word says about us. And not just who we are, but we have to be reminded whose we are. And we are his, and we are made in his image, and he loves us. And that includes you. I'm a big Lauren Daigle fan, and Lauren Daigle just released this new album, and, and there's a song on it that says, You Say. That's the name of the song. And I want you to listen to the words of this song. It says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I am not enough. And every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just a sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am love when I can't feel a thing. And you say I am strong when I think I'm weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say that I am yours. And so right now I've asked Brisa to sing this song for us. And so I just want you to prayerfully consider these verses of Scripture today and meditate on the words of this song and let God remind you who you are today.
only thing that matters now is everything you think of me in you i find my worth in you i find my identity every failure God and you'll have every victory Hey, would you give Brisa a big round of applause this morning for that? Come on. We got some talented students right there. That's amazing. I love you, Brisa. She also could have played that on the drums, the guitar, a cello. She could have wrapped it, and she could have stood on her head while she did so. She's talented. And, and honestly, what she just did was demonstrate what these next few verses of Scripture say. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And we are many parts with one body, but we all belong to each other. So we all have a part to play, and every part that we have is extremely valuable. Now, I grew up playing sports. I was a better marching band person, but I grew up playing sports. And every part of every team, is extremely important. You know, it, it doesn't matter what team you're on. Here's what I've learned, that every role is vital to the success of the overall team. There are no insignificant people and there are no insignificant roles. 
I love what one author said. Diversity, not uniformity. Let me say that again. Diversity, not uniformity, is a mark of God's handiwork. And I don't think that should be any more evident than in the Christian community. Look around and you will see the most diverse kinds of people, backgrounds and histories and gifts and talents and experiences. And amazing things happen when we come together. Our Kent Hughes says God's glory is revealed through the diversity of his people. That's why when you walk in, you see these people with shirts on that say teamwork makes the dream work. Because we recognize that nothing that happens in the body of Christ is because of one person or few people. I mean, I, I, I grew up and went to some places where, where a few people did everything. And everybody else just kind of showed up and watched that happen. But when you look around this place, you recognize that every person here has a vital role to play. When we came into North Park, when we came into Raleigh to start North Park Church, we came in with this driving force um, and this driving vision that we would not just raise up a group of people that we could pastor, but instead we would raise up a group of people that would pastor this city. And so every one of you, you matter to God, you matter to us, and you have a purpose. God has a plan, and we want to help you find it. Every one of us. How many of you remember the movie Braveheart? Do you remember that? Men, you better raise your hand or you have to turn in your man card when you walk out of here. Like that's the man's movie, right? And, and there's this incredible scene, Mel Gibson, and, and he's on this battlefield. He shows up with the war-painted face. Do you remember that? William Wallace, you remember that. And if you don't, you need to Netflix it. And, and, and William Wallace like stands up to, to try to get his fellow Scotsman to fight this battle with him. And this is what he says he says dying in your beds many years from now would you be willing to trade all of the days from this day to that day for just one more chance that's a little dramatic right and come back here and tell our enemies here it is you ready they may take our lives finish it with me but they'll never take our freedom right and, and it's just like inspiring. And, and, and he asked the question, will you fight? And what we remember is everybody raising their swords and screaming, yes, we will fight. But if you go back and watch the movie, that's not exactly what happens. That is the response a little bit later, but only after there's a little short dialogue between William Wallace and one guy who's really honest. When William Wallace says, will you fight? He says, no, we will run and we will live. <laughs> and he walks away. <laughs> that and, and, and then he kind of does this whole speech, and then they finally do you, you go fight. But not that guy. He went home, and he lived, you know. But, but that's kind of the thing. Like when you step up in, in your organization and, 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 and when you show up on your job or maybe you're in a team meeting in your, in your school or, or whatever it is, I can just kind of hear your supervisor or your manager or your boss or team leader, whoever it is, trying to inspire you. I can just see it right now, just in your setting every day. I can see somebody looking at you going, will you fight? Will you see a vision fulfilled? Will you commit your best effort? And you're like, nope, going to get my paycheck and I'm going home. You know, that's, if that's all we're doing is just trying to cash a paycheck, man, where's, where's the purpose in that? 
If we're just trying to make it until Friday, then where's the purpose in that? I, I made a decision a long time ago that I don't want to just count my days. I want my days to count. And every day that I show up, no matter where it is, I want the world to be different because we're here. Like that's living on purpose. That's a plan that God has for our lives. And, and I want the world to be different because we're here. It doesn't matter if we're in a school system. It doesn't matter if we're on the athletic field or if we're in a cubicle somewhere, in a boardroom, wherever it is that you do what you do every day. I believe the world can be different because you're here. Don't just count your days. Make your days count. You have a purpose. God has a plan. And let's walk in that. I like how Andy Stanley says, and that vision for your life, it is a clear mental picture of what could be, but it's fueled by this conviction that that's the way it should be in our life. And I think every one of us need a vision in our life, a clear mental picture that every day we wake up and realize this is what we're doing. This is our why. This is why we show up. This is why we do the things that we're doing. It's a clear mental picture and it's fueled by a conviction that this is the way it should be. This is the way it should be because I was created with a purpose. God has a plan. I want to walk in that plan. And every one of us, that's going to look a little bit different. Why? Because verse 6 says, in his grace, God's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, Brisa steps up onto a, a keyboard and she begins to, to play this and, 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 and she plays it well. And we sit back and it's reflective and it's prayerful and it's like, wow, that's so, so beautiful. God gifted her beautifully and she's using her gifts well. There's only about four people of that I know in this room that could have gotten on that piano and did something similar to that. The rest of us, it would have been like amateur hour, it would have been like karaoke and none of us would have got nothing out of any of it. Why? Because you weren't created to walk in the gifts and ability that she has. God uniquely gifted you with skills and desires and, and loves and, and likes and, 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 and purpose and ability that you are to use for him. And so he says, so if God gave you the ability to prophesy, then speak up with as much faith as God has given you. And he actually gives us a list of gifts that some of us might fall into. Well, let's look at them because I think everyone are necessary for us to pastor a city that he's called us to pastor. He says, if you have the ability to prophesy, what does that mean? I think some of us think when, when I even say the word prophesy or prophet or prophecy, we automatically think about what? the future, right? Somebody who has the ability to kind of to foretell the future, the prophets of God that we see in the Old Testament. Well, prophecy, it, that's a part of it, is to be able to, to foretell the future, right? God gives um, the dreams and, 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 and speaks to the heart. And, and I've had some people speak some very prophetic things over me and our church and our family. And those things have come to pass. And it's been really cool to watch how people operate in prophetic gifts. But it's not just about the future. It's also about forth telling the present in other words it's just about telling the truth so so basically someone who has the gift to prophesy is a person who really has the ability to speak truth into someone's life and do so in a way that is 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 um is is, is very um i'm sorry is very motivating it convicts our heart that's the word wow that was a hard one it, it convicts our heart but it also builds us up and so maybe you've got some people in your life that, that have the ability that when they speak truthful things into your heart, it convicts your heart a little bit, but, and it also builds you up. 
Because I think what we do sometimes is we might find somebody who really speaks the truth, right? They just tell it like it is, and we automatically think, wow, they must be a prophet. No, they're a jerk, okay? If you really have the gift of prophecy, it's going to convict hearts, but it's also going to build people up. So he says, so if you have that ability to tell the truth in that way, that it's convicting the people and it builds them up, then speak out with as much faith as God has given to you. In verse 7, he says, if your gift is serving then serve people well. And, and I bet, like, if you had to rank the gifts that, that, you, that you wanted to have out of this list, I guarantee you, you'd put serving down at the bottom. If you had to rank them in order of gifts, okay, God, I'm going to be in the gift line, and I want you to pass out some gifts, and I'm going to rank them in order of what I want you to give me, I guarantee you serving would be close to the bottom. But here's what I want you to see. I think it's one of the most influential gifts that you will see in that list. And, and, I, and I think that, that it's one of the most important. In fact, I will even go as far as to say, I believe you are most like Jesus when you're just serving people because that's the way Jesus lived his life. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so every week when, when, when you show up and you see these people in these red teamwork makes the dream work shirts, we're all here to serve one another. Don't get me wrong. But, but they have showed up saying, you know what, this, this, is, this is my day. Like I'm going to walk in the gifts and abilities that God's given to me and I'm going to serve well. And here's what's cool. When someone comes to our church and, and they find a home here and, and, and they stay here, you know, and they become a part of what God is doing at North Park Church. And if this is your first time, here's what I would encourage you. Try five. Don't show up one time and try to make a decision on whether or not this is going to be your church, okay? Just try five because you will not ever figure out what a church is like in one or two visits. You just will not. One day I, I, I might preach a horrible message and it might have a lot to do with what I ate last night. So you, I, I went to the fair Friday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what I'm going to say. So you need to give it a few weeks, okay? Um, and, and so I, I would encourage you to just, just try five. But here, here's what I want you to see. When I ask people, why did you decide to call North Park home? I don't know that I've ever had anybody look at me and go, Pastor, your preaching is so powerful. I mean, it's just like every time you open your mouth, it's like the voice of God in my head. No, like nobody says that. And, and as great as our worship is and, and all that, like I don't even know that I've ever had anybody say, oh, I'm going to tell you what, man, y'all's music is just, wow, it's just great. Do you know what I hear over and over and over and over? Pastor, you are so handsome. No, I didn't. I don't even hear that. I never, nobody's ever even said that. But, but here, here's what I hear over and over. It's so friendly. Like the people are so warm and they're so inviting and, and they welcome. And, and I, I feel like, like I've been here forever, like the moment I walked in. Why do, why do people feel that way? Because you have the gift to serve and you serve well. And I believe Jesus is pleased when you do that. He said, if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And I, I, that's my favorite gift. I just love the gift of encouragement. And, and, if, and, and I'm not, I don't even know that I have the gift of encouragement, but I try so hard. I want to be an encourager. I, I want to speak life into people. I, I want to I lift the room when people are there. Like I, I, just, I want people to feel um, empowered. I want people to feel encouraged because I believe a word of encouragement, just a word of encouragement, may be the one thing that gives somebody the hope that they need to keep going and not give up on that particular day. Man, if you have the gift of encouragement, encourage encourage people. If you have the gift of giving, then give so generously. Man, some of you have the gift of generosity. 
and you give faithfully and you give generously and it's because you do that we're able to reach people in our city the way that we do. And, and that's a wonderful gift. And, and I know that giving is weird to talk about in church and, and not here because we talk about it in the right way and, and, and we're accountable and we're great stewards of what God's placed in our hands. But I recognize that the gift of stewardship and the gift of generosity is an overlooked gift in the body of Christ. I, I remember when I was a, a youth pastor at a church in, in another place. And, and there was this one particular man that would walk in um, from the community and he would visit occasionally. And he would, and when he would, all the ushers would like get off. Oh, he's here, he's here, he's here, you know? And, and, and the offering plate would go by and somebody would come by and go, oh, he put in a big check that, oh, he's here, you know? And it used to make me sick. It just did. Because I thought, you know what? That check that he just stroked was nothing to him. You know, when you have everything and you give, that's nothing. What about this lady over here that shows up every single week who's on a fixed income, but she gives like that widow in the Bible, you know, that, 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 that we still read about and talk about and preach about. She gave everything that she had, all right? I'm a lot more impressed by the faithfulness of this person than that dude who shows up occasionally and drops in a check. This is the gift of generosity I'm talking about. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I'm talking about faithfulness and just being who God called you to be. We're blessed so we can be a blessing to other people. It doesn't matter how much it is. And you might think, I don't have the gift of generosity. I don't give big checks. Man, if you give what God has laid on your heart and you're a steward of what God's placed in your hands, yes, you do have the gift of generosity. So you keep giving generously. And then he says, if God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. Leadership is influence. And some of us are wasting the influence that we have. And I'm not talking about here at church. I'm talking about in your jobs. And some of you have this incredible gift of leadership, but yet you're not using it to leverage the love of God into people's lives. Are you leading people to a relationship with Jesus? God is giving you influence. And so if you have that leadership ability, then take it seriously. And then he says, if you have a gift for showing kindness, then do it, do it gladly. So what's the lesson? Whatever gift God has given you, use it. Whatever your gift is, use it. And there's a place for you to use it in the body of Christ right here at North Park Church. There's a little phrase that the kids are using these days. Man, I feel so old. There's a, the, the phrase is, you do you. That's okay. You just do you. Okay? I'm going to do me. You do you. I never heard that before until just recently. I like that. You do you. Whatever God has created you to be, whatever he's called you to do, you just do you. I, I told you I was a baseball player back in the day. And. And I was a catcher. And, and I, I'm not going to brag. I was a pretty good catcher. I, okay, so I'll brag a little bit. I was a pretty good catcher. But why I was a good catcher is what's so funny. Because back in T-ball, when you don't need a catcher, do you know what I'm saying? I was the catcher. Okay, and that's where they put the worst kid, right? And, and if your kid's a catcher, sorry. That's just the way it is, all right? But, it, it, but, but, but that's what happens, right? No, all right? Hey, Braswell, why don't you stand back here away from all the action, Okay. All right, and if something's happening at home plate, you just get out of the way. Johnny, you come over here then, right? That's kind of how that happens. So I did that for a few years, and then, and then I made it up to Little League, right, when they actually do pitch. And, and I'll never forget the day our catcher or our coach looks at all these new kids and is like, hey, anybody ever been catcher before? 
It's all I've ever done, buddy. Right here, right? So then they taught me to, like, really be a catcher with the equipment on and everything, man. Athletic cup, the whole deal. It was like a cool deal. I'd get bored, and I'd take it out and play fighter pilot. (laughs) That's my favorite joke ever. I'm sorry. That's horrible. That's bad. But I always, I'm so sorry. My wife's not here today. You just don't know what's going to happen, okay? She kind of keeps it back. But, but I always want to be a pitcher, and nobody would ever give me a chance to pitch. And I went through all of these years always just putting that catcher's equipment on and being a catcher. I never had the opportunity to pitch, and I always wanted to. And every game, I'd beg my, I'd beg my coach, come on, man, let me pitch. Just one time. Just one, one inning. It doesn't even matter. Just one inning. Just one batter. It'd be fine. No, you just keep catching. And dang, Gerard Norman, every time. You, some of you know Gerard. He was always pitching. And, and uh, my last game of Babe Ruth, last game of baseball I ever played. My coach looks at me and he says, Anthony, this is the last game you'll ever play, man, because you're not going anywhere beyond here, okay? This is, career's going to end here. Today is your retirement, you know? And he says, "Uh, you want to pitch? And I was so excited, man. I was like, yes, I do. So Gerard, who's normally the, the, the pitcher, he put on the catcher's equipment, and I warmed up, man. I was throwing the heat. I mean, I was bringing it in, in, in warm-up, and I, I stepped up, first batter, stepped up. And that first batter, I threw four straight balls, and I put them on the base. And the second batter came up, and I threw four more straight balls. And I put, y'all, I'm just going to make this story short. I threw 16 straight balls, and I never threw a strike. I walked in the first batter. He just kind of walked across the plate. And I finally looked at the coach, and I was like, take me out. (laughs) So I just, I took myself out of the game. And so my record of pitching is like zero strikes, 16 balls. It's not good. That's not not a good ERA, right? And, And so what am I saying? I'm saying be who God called you to be. Don't be somebody else. Don't try to walk in somebody else's anointing. Don't try to walk in somebody else's giftedness. I'm going to tell you what, and I've said it over and over in this setting. Robert Madu said, comparison is the cancer to contentment. Comparison is the cancer to contentment. You will never be content when you're always comparing yourself to somebody else's situation. Be who God called you to be, and you will walk in the anointing that he's given you for such a time as this. Would you bow your heads with me today?